I would always get hung up on the verse when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that verse became like almost like a love song for me. I was fascinated with the fact that Jesus could feel forsaken, you know, and I know that theologically there's so much more to unpack there. And of course we can't, you know, talk about you know, of course, Jesus didn't stay there, but it was it was still something that he felt and that he acknowledged and that he expressed. And so that verse gave me the freedom to feel what I needed to feel, to acknowledge it and to express it. Um, and then from there, uh, Psalm 30 verse 5 has also become an anthem for my life, which is weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And it just is such a good reminder for me that joy is not a thing like joy can coexist with weeping you know and 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 weeping can last for an entire night you know and so just realizing that the bible talks so often about weeping and pain and grief like the bible talks about these things and so finding that freedom of like this is okay for me to hurt but it's also okay for me to find healing too. And I can, I can find, I can have both of these things. I'm like, that's okay. Nothing else, like, not, like not, I'm not, I don't want to say that nothing else matters, but nothing else matters as much as your emotional and mental health. You know, it's, it's like you have, you have to put in that work before you're ready to take a step forward. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 38. Hi friend, I'm so glad you're back to join us for another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. Today we're having a really cool conversation about navigating mental health in the spotlight with my friend Jamie Grace. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Jamie, she is a two-time Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and actress diagnosed with Tourette Syndrome, OCD, ADHD, and anxiety at a young age. And Jamie actively advocates for joy, wellness, and mental health through the lens of music, film, and faith which I love so much. She's an entertainer at heart and she's regularly creating fresh content, including new music and weekly videos and episodes of her podcast, the Jamie Grace podcast. When she isn't touring, she's living in Southern California with her husband, Aaron, and her daughter, Isabella Brave. So Jamie just released her book, Finding Quiet, which we can't wait to get our hands on. But in the meantime, I thought it would be so great for her to come on and share her own journey and her own experience managing mental health challenges that were at times pretty severe through the lens of faith being a pastor's kid and also being in the spotlight, going on tour and performing her music. And as I said, she's a Grammy nominated singer two times. Like, She's amazing and she has an awesome story and I think some really practical, helpful wisdom from her journey that I just couldn't wait to share with you all. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jamie Grace. All right, guys, I have a super fun, super special guest and new friend on the podcast today that I can't wait to share with you. I have 
Jamie here. Uh, Jamie, how's your morning going? It's going great. I just um, drank a really massive leftover strawberry lemonade um, mm. from yesterday, so and I'm pressure. just basically killing it at life. I'm just. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Having it a normal life. day. That sounds. That's a great way to start your week. Um, <laughs> well. I am so excited to have you on. Um, We've just gotten to chat and get to know each other more and your story. And I think it's going to be so relatable to a lot of our listeners here. You also just came out with a book, Finding Quiet. Like you really are killing it at life. She is, guys. Like no exaggeration. I'm pretty amazed. Um, But you know, you you kind of actively advocate for like joy, wellness, and mental health through your writing and your music, which is so aligned with everything we're doing here. And for those who aren't totally familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what led you to this place, and this, the awesome Killing It Life stuff you're doing now? <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, it all started when we went to a coffee shop yesterday, and I don't like coffee, and I got a strawberry lemonade. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Yes. I'm from the southeast. I grew up in Georgia. Um, I was born in Cali. I grew up in Georgia with my mom and my dad and my older sister, Morgan, uh, Morgan Harper Nichols, who I believe has been on your show before. Yes, good friends. Yeah, she's so awesome. So uh, we were homeschooled preacher's kids and had a very just – uh, I'd say just a very great and healthy upbringing and great parents. And um, I mean, I love everything about how I grew up, you know. Um, it's weird because I'm, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mom now and my mom is always encouraging me. She's like, hey, like, I want you to be a better mom than I was. And mm. and so as I look back on my childhood, I mean, yeah, of course, there are things that I could say, OK, I'd like to do this better. But honestly, I feel like Morgan and I had such a great launching pad for going out into the world and so we're just so grateful to our parents for um for that um when I was 11 I was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome um as well as OCD ADHD and anxiety and so that kind of uh well not kind of but that definitely shaped my worldview um as a person of faith it was confusing for sure um yes I was only 11 but I was very passionate about God and um I've always been maybe a little, well, I know obviously we should strive to do the right thing and not the wrong thing, but I'm just very literal. And so, uh, that kind of was always confusing to me because I was like, well, the right thing is to be joyful and happy and Mm. not so much the right thing is to be joyful, but I feel this sadness and I feel this pain. So that feels like the wrong thing. So, um, yeah, that definitely was difficult for me as far as my faith goes, but, um, I've also always been quite resilient. And so, I mean, just honestly, through just years of just our own unique perception of therapy, which was just a lot of music, a lot of just family and community and things like that, um, I I really just started working toward embracing who I was and who I am, um, even without, you know, a large friend circle and even without complete, you know, healing as far as my physical body and my mental health goes. And yeah. Just really embracing who I was and writing songs and making YouTube videos and just trying to find joy in everyday life. And um, I mean, just honestly, it just was just this, this domino effect. Of course, a lot of hard work and stuff, but just this domino effect that led into a full time career as an artist and musician. And, um, and, and, and yeah, and then, you know, got a little, I'm, I'm just hopping all over the chapters of my life. But you know, we're here for all of it. Yeah. Right, right. 
So I'm married now. My husband's name is Aaron. We have a little a little girl named Isabella. And, um, you know, I, I definitely I, I didn't there's never a point where I blinked and, and my mental health has just become perfection. Uh, I still have struggles and battles today. Um, but honestly, that's what the entire book is about is, is my my journey. It's it's not at all. A, I mean, I think it would likely be deemed as a self-help book. But one thing that I just mm-hmm. really want people to know is like, hey, heads up. This is literally my journey. And like even the the parts in the book that are journal prompts and that are, you know, things that are active self-help things like, hey, I've done all these things and I've written them down so that I can remember to do them again later. Um, so it's very much my journey and my story. And uh, I just I hope that it can help other people, too. I love that so much. There are so many things that I'm hearing that I just want to pull out, if you don't mind. <laughs> um yeah. Okay, so first of all, I love how creative expression for you and, and, and you can see that for your sister as well, for you guys, just that, that space that you got your parents uh, gave for that creative expression ended up being a part of your healing and as well as like the communal support of your family. And one of the things we always talk about with mental health is that we kind of have all these tools in a toolkit that help our mental health and it's not just one thing that fixes it like you said or overnight and your mental health's just better it really is this um combination of things that familial support that um i love how there are these multiple things that come together that help us cope through and move and grow through you know mental health challenges and for you i was curious like how did you remedy your faith with living with a diagnosis like what how what was the shift that took place for you that said okay these can coexist even though i'm living with a diagnosis and maybe it feels unfair sometimes or maybe it feels out of my control sometimes or why is god letting this happen and why haven't i been cured like how do you how do you reckon with that right um Man, one thing that I that I that I've definitely had to acknowledge as I've gotten older is is uh, the the privilege in which my lens on many things uh, stems from. Um, I I did. My dad's a pastor. My mom's a pastor. Um, I grew up in church. I grew up like always in church. Uh, <laughs> And if we weren't in church, then my sister and I were upstairs because my parents were counseling someone downstairs. It's like, you know, church was such a huge part of our lives. Yeah. I I never grew up with the perception that I needed to be healed to, to know Jesus or that I needed to have perfection in my physical or mental state Mm. to be a child of God. And so, um, I do recognize that privilege for sure. Um, as I like to acknowledge that because I realize that so many people don't grow up with that advantage and they think that, um, that something is wrong with them. Um, now with that being said, that's the, that's the perspective that, um, that I believe is a biblical perspective that Mm -hmm. my parents, um, kind of instilled in us, but, with that being said, that doesn't take away the confusion still. Um, and so I did still struggle because a lot of the people in my church, I was just worried that, you know, because we're a pastor's family and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was like, well, I, I still like, even though like, that's what my parents like preach, like yeah. I can't have those problems. You know what I mean? It's like, even though like, right. I, I know that it's okay to be sick. It's like, well, 
you know, because I'm like, well, you know, we get the flu and nobody says like, oh, you must not love God. They're like, no, you just like go get some like Dayquil or whatever. It is, right. you know? So, uh, so I was just confused by that, but I, uh, and honestly, I struggled with that for years and I, I would just, you know, tell both of my parents, but very specifically my dad, because, um, my dad, you know, like is the founding pastor of our church. And so I kind of took it out on him and would just mm. be like, like, look, <laughs> and I, oh, I hate, I hate the language that I use and I'm just so grateful for the grace of God. But yeah. I, at 11 years old, I would say to my dad, like, you need to tell this God that you serve that if he expects you to like serve this church, then he needs to do something for your family. And like, I mean, I would, and this mm -hmm. wasn't even, it wasn't even like me trying to be a disrespectful kid. I mean, this was one or two o'clock in the morning, me like hurled over my bed, crying my eyes out, begging, you know what I mean? So yeah. my dad is just so gracious. He would, he never necessarily tried to give me a theological adjustment in those moments, he would just mm. hold me and just allow me to grieve um, because he knew, you know, I guess he just knew in his own spiritual maturity that like that, that's what I was doing. I was, I was grieving and I was confused and, and he didn't have an answer, you know, um, as to why I was hurting and, and why I was sick. And, and just to give a little bit of context as well, you know, I, I, I say that I have Tourette syndrome. So, um, you know, it's a tick disorder where you have, uh, it's a neurobiological condition where you make mm -hmm. movements you can't control. And so the, the extent of my condition was, uh, my physical tics would get so out of control that I was, I was breaking bones and I was, um, we'd have pillows mm. in the car so that I wouldn't, you know, hit, I was hitting my head against the car window and hitting my head against walls. And, um, a lot of it was, um, self-inflicting. So I would punch myself in the head and the stomach. And so, mm. um, so, and, and these are all, all day tics that I was having between the ages of nine to 15. Um, and, I would tire myself out so much that I couldn't do anything, uh, like do anything else during the day. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really walk from, you know, point A to point B without falling on the floor. I was knocking things over in the store, you know, people in stores were getting upset with me. Um, so, so I, that's just a little bit of context. Like that's the, the level in which I was so frustrated, but I will say that, one of the main things, well, there were two main things that really shifted as far as my spiritual life goes. Uh, one was falling uh, in love with Jesus and, and, and falling so much in love with him to like wanting to know everything about him. And so like every year at our church, we did this, we did the, like the seven last sayings of Christ when he was on the cross, mm -hmm. we would do that. A, a service, you know, good old Baptist service. And, uh, we would, we do this service and then I would always get hung up on the verse when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that verse became like, almost like a love song for me. I yeah. was fascinated with the fact that Jesus could feel forsaken, you know, and I know that theologically there's so much more to unpack there and of course we can't you know talk about you know of course Jesus didn't stay there but it was it was still something that he felt and that he acknowledged and that he expressed and so that verse gave me the freedom to feel what I needed to feel 
to acknowledge it and to express it. Um, and then from there, uh, Psalm 30 verse five has also become an anthem for my life, which is weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And it just is such a good reminder for me that joy is not a thing like joy can coexist with weeping, you know, and, and, and weeping can last for an entire night, you know? And so just realizing that the Bible talks so often about weeping and pain and grief like the bible talks about these things and so finding that freedom of like this is okay for me to hurt um but it's also okay for me to find healing too and i can i can find i can have both of these things i'm like that's okay today's episode is sponsored by better help Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing, but I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. really in a couple ways one I really am feeling like your father's love and even just your parents love really showed a great example or display of the love of the father of the love of God which is that God he you know just holding space for you 
um, right. to meet you where you are and not to write it off with some Christian colloquialism or, like you said, to the- right, a theological right. fix, but that he holds space for us to just grieve. And, uh, and that's so validating, but also that you went through your own journey of looking at the scriptures and finding those scriptures, which also held space for you and that were very human. And it just baffles me sometimes, you know, the stigma when you know that those scriptures exist and it really goes to show how it can be used in different ways. You know, you can see how scripture can be used to like stigmatize mental health, but then if you really look at it and you look at the heart of God and the character of Christ and the human experience that people had throughout scripture, it's very validating to our own experiences and, um, and, just yeah just and even just encouraging people to go on that journey of looking at those things and even starting from the places that you just shared is really wonderfully healing um and so I also wanted to go into your story about you know so you you had this diagnosis and you know you were learning how to navigate it and you, it sounds like you had a good support system now you started creating through music and youtube and you were kind of thrust into fame you know you yes. now were thrust into the public eye which it's already difficult enough to navigate mental health challenges with just you in your circle let alone having the whole world's eyes on you. We were talking earlier about how every little thing could be monitored or taken a certain way or people can form right, their opinions right. about it. Just things that are just normal parts of life. Um, I always say we were never meant to be judged by so many strangers at one time. Like we're just right. not wired so for that. Like what? Right. It's crazy. Um, so how did you, and I'm sure those who follow you and know you probably want are wondering this as well. Like how did being thrust into fame complicate having to navigate your diagnosis as well and for those who aren't familiar with you like what was the extent of the exposure that you ended up experiencing and having to navigate through right yeah I mean I I went from being um a regular well semi-regular you know I'm I'm super weird (laughs) as regular as it gets (laughs) right exactly like having I was I started school uh college at 16 so I was in the traditional you know uh, a small Christian college in Georgia experience. Right. And I, you know, I was used to, to some extent people knowing who I was and, and I genuinely mean to some extent, like I'm talking about getting recognized in a place called Conyers, Georgia in the Walmart. So okay. when I say some extent, like that's what I mean. Um, and I was living, I was in college, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. So, you know, people in my community know who I am. I'm a YouTuber. So a few people know who I am here and there. Um, but nothing major. So I was like regular college kid um, playing open mics and local shows to then like overnight, I was signed to a kid's television show and I was a cast member. And then that show um, did a tour. It was called I Shine. Mm. And then they, they played an average of two to three thousand uh, seat venues per concert and we played four to six concerts a week for about two to three months at a time um so there, there was that and then two years after that when I was 19 um I started to do um uh, from iShine I got another job called the Revolve Tour which was about 10 to 12,000 people arenas um and wow. then um, I launched like my first like full length music project. I was with a record label at the time and then had like a couple of 
you know, some really great radio success and like a Grammy nomination and stuff. So oh, just a all, Grammy all, nomination, yeah. you know, just a little something. <laughs> all while, like literally, like literally, like I think it was like two weeks within the Grammy nominate, the Grammy awards and my college graduation. So like, you know, trying to balance, like trying to be a regular, relatively normal teenager yeah. and a not remotely normal teenager. Um, so that's kind of just so people have a little bit of context of what my life was like ages like 17 to 23. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. But I will say, interestingly enough, the beginning of all that was was a wonderful. Um, getting to jump into the show I Shine was jumping in. I mean, I loved being in college, yes. Um, and it was, it was great. And I'm really glad that I was able to finish school, but something about jumping into the kids show was really cool because all the other cast members, like when I, uh, when I was in college, I was always the youngest everywhere because I was only 16. Right. And into the show, I was one of the older kids. Um, and so all the other kids were like middle and high schoolers. And so I got to travel the world with all these kids that they also feel different. You know, they also mm-hmm. feel like the weird kids because they're off on tour while everybody else is at middle school dances. Like, so it was such a great experience for me getting to do something that was really rooted in joy. Um, my mom was on the road. Everybody called her mama Mona. Um, they created a job for her just so she could travel with me. And so it was just, it was such a great experience. And then on top of that, getting to my YouTube channel, continuing to build and grow. Um, that was really great because, and I've said this before, but like some people watch YouTube because they're hanging out with their friends. Cool. But a lot of people watch YouTube because it's one o'clock in the morning and they don't have any friends. And so <laughs> like, it, that's me. Good like, point. Yeah. And so like getting to like have like all these people on YouTube that also don't have friends, like <laughs> it was, it was such a good, it was such a good experience for me. Um, and I'm so grateful that I do have the platform that I have, um, even though it does come with a lot of challenges, but it became difficult when I guess things became more and more successful and it wasn't like, Oh, I create music that's joyful and people like it. It it kind of became like, like, Oh, I create music that's joyful and, it's financially sustainable and it has to be duplicated and you must remain joyful. And Mm. the sadness that brought you to the joy must not be connected with because then we lose the joy. So let's find that joy again. (laughs) It just felt like joy became like your brand. It became my brand. It became a currency that had to be fed at whatever cost. Um, I I was very proud of myself to come off of medication for Tourette syndrome when I was 15 years old. Um, and I very quickly went right back on it when I was 21 um, because everything was too much. And I was so sick and I was disconnected from my family and joy was a currency. And, um, that was something that was was too difficult for me. And, you know, like what you were saying about living in the public eye, you know, um, one of my best friends, Lydia, she, she bought me this blanket that I'm obsessed with. Um, and it's a Taco Bell blanket and it's the, it's the, (laughs) it's like the, the blanket is the, um, it looks like the wrapper that you wrap a a burrito in. Um, amazing about health and wellness here and so it's my favorite blanket and I was on a live stream the other day 
And, uh, you know, I've been very vocal about, you know, like equality when it comes to like black people and yeah. white people, because why not? Uh, Sounds like so, a good idea. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> relatively, like, yeah, I don't know, like, you know, the 50s could have figured this out. Uh, well, I mean, they did a lot of hard work. Uh, but like, I, <laughs> I was like, I talked about this blanket and then like all of a sudden got flushed in my head about like a few months ago when uh, a friend of a friend kind of called me out for liking Taco Bell because I guess that they hadn't said the appropriate things when it comes to like Black Lives Matter and stuff. And okay. and I, so of course, like now I'm on this live stream and I've got this Taco Bell blanket and like, and then I said, I love this blanket. And then I'm thinking, oh no, am I, and, and just like, that's like just being transparent, like that is yeah. part of the struggle and that for someone with anxiety, that that doesn't turn into, oh no, did I make a mistake? That turns into, am I a bad person? Am I, right. am I a bad person? Am I doing something bad for my own community? Am I slapping us in the face? Am I, am I loved? Can I even be loved? And then it goes completely right. away from what the topic is. And it's, does my husband also feel disappointed in me? It's like a shame Should, spiral. It really is like, are my parents disappointed in me? And then if like one of my parents texts me, I'm like, I can't even text them back because I don't even know what they think about me. And so being in the public eye, like that happens very frequently. And yeah. that has become a struggle. Like if I make the smallest mistake, I all of a sudden am completely self-deprecating everything about myself. And so um, finding quiet was really important for me to write because I had to learn how to find quiet. I have to learn how to not spiral. I have to learn how to not allow those thoughts to take over my mind and how to not make myself think that I am something that I'm not because of one small moment or one small incident or one opinion from a stranger or something like that. Yeah. I really appreciate your vulnerability in this. And you're not just talking about the past. You're like talking about present things that you struggle with. And I really appreciate that because I think that someone maybe who has followed you for a while or admire you or seen your accomplishments, they might think, oh, well, she's made it to this level. So she must be good now. You know, like her life must be good. You know, she speaks out about these things. She must be strong. She must be confident. You know, like all these things, ideals and images we have of people um, that reach a certain level level of I don't know success in their career and just hearing that no matter what level you go you know you go up to or in your life um it's it's not something on the other side of your life that's gonna magically make you happy or magically make things go away like once you reach this level or once you hit this goal like you take your mind with you wherever you go and it Mm, it really is about learning how to cope and navigate those things each step of the way and even those who you see who appear to be successful in what they're doing it's not that um they don't struggle anymore but they're also navigating how to uh cope with those struggles from where they are so right right i really appreciate you sharing all of that because i feel like that destigmatizes all of that yeah no thank you so much for for listening i i think it was our, our pastor we were we, uh, Aaron, my husband and I, we watched like five great things this weekend and they were also great, but I'm getting the messages mixed up in my head. Like who said what? Uh, but, but I think our, it was our pastor and he was talking about like, you know, when someone like takes their life, um, you know, especially someone that is like well-known, a lot of people can say like, 
oh, but they had so much to live for, you know, or they had so much because they had like a lot of money or stuff like that. But like, you know, money, success, whether it's success in a, you know, you're like a public figure or, you know, you're a CEO of your company or you have a big house, you have a big car. Like, like you said, you take your mind everywhere you go. And if, if you're not doing the work when it comes to your emotional and your mental health, nothing else like, not, like, not, I'm not, I don't want to say that nothing else matters, but nothing else matters as yeah. much as your emotional and mental health. Yes. You know, it's, it's like you have, you have to put in that work before you're ready to take a step forward. You know, um, I was, I was single for the long, well, in my opinion, it was the longest time ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I did not date anyone before my husband, like I had gone on a few dates, but then I was just like, no, I'm not like, this is weird. Um, my husband was my first person that I like dated, dated. And we were 20, I was 26 when we got married. I think I was. Um, but before then there were, there were so many times where I was like, I don't know why I'm single. I don't know why I'm single. Like this doesn't make sense. And now I look at where I am at 28 and I look at my mental health and I'm like, Oh, I wasn't putting in the work. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't. And Mm -hmm. and it's not that it's, I don't want to make it seem like this is not, again, this is not everyone's story. This is my journey. Um, but I look back at where I was at like, 23 and 24. And there were things I'm like, whoa, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to acknowledge my boundaries and follow through with getting what I need to be well for the day. You know, I didn't know how to do those things. You know, Um, I'm obsessed with the show Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. Oh, I watched the whole thing. Oh my gosh. We have like three episodes left. And um, there's that, there's like on the second or third episode, they're on a date and there's a moment where the girl who's on the date, she looks off to a camera person and she shakes her head um, as if signaling that she needs a break. And so they take a break from the date and they allow her to go somewhere. I cried when that, that happened because I, like so often when people are on the spectrum, when people are not neurotypical, we can look down on people that are different and say, oh, you can't do this, whatever, whatever. She has better acknowledgement of her boundaries than almost like than me and all my friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. I was like, I was like, I could not do that at 22, 23 years old. Yeah. I did not know how to say I need a break. I would just like, you know, I would be hanging out with people that made me feel awkward and I'd just be sitting there like, oh, I can't wait till I get to go home, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. And so, um, so yeah, like every, other things matter in life, of course, but nothing matters as much as making sure that you are like, that you are taking care of your mind and your wellness um, and, and what's going on emotionally and mentally. Because as we start to learn and grow in those areas, like it'll never be perfect, but as we learn and grow in those areas, we'll really start to see things flourish everywhere else. I love that. Like just let your purpose be in the present as far as your healing and well-being because, you know, you have gone through all these milestones, all the milestones that people think that they'll feel better about themselves and about life once they hit them. You know, you had this success with your music. You hit that milestone. Then you, you know, you find you found your husband and you guys got married. Then you hit that milestone. You guys just had a beautiful baby. Right. You know, you hit that milestone and still – your mind is going with you and still you have to overcome and cope with those things. So I think just pulling all that together and throwing out there like the joy and the healing is not in the milestones. You know, it's in the work that you are doing with yourself 
through those milestones and you'll be continuously doing your whole life (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not gonna just like stop one day (laughs) right which is nice to think because it feels like a solution but the truth is of the matter is you know be working on yourself now you know no matter where that is and you'll be surprised how far that actually gets you so um so and I wanted to ask why did you choose the title finding quiet for your book um, you know, I've always been, I've always been interested in irony. Uh, so I, I am the, one of the least quiet humans, uh, <laughs> at Rome's. So that was one of the reasons because yeah, I love that. But, but also because I'm not, I'm not great in the quiet. Mm-hmm. It has always presented me with a lot of anxiety. It has always made me squirm. And I want to get better at finding quiet. So that seems to really encompass it all. Like my yeah. thing is like, look, if you can buy my book, that would be so cool. So great. Like, thanks so much for the support, everybody. But at the same time, if you don't want to buy my book, just think about the two words, finding quiet. Cause like, that's basically what the book is about. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's like I'm like I'm really bad at selling books but I'm like literally guys <laughs> it's just like a bunch of different chapters of like me talking about finding quiet in different sentences because mm-hmm. that's that's literally all it is it's like everything about my life is you know like oh I have to figure it out I have to figure everything out I have to have a plan you know I have to know what I'm doing in five years I have to know exactly how many kids we want to have I have to know exactly what kind of money I'm going to be making so we have to talk this out I have to figure this out yeah. you know I, I've seen this trend on on TikTok where it's like <laughs> wives or girlfriends like calling their husbands or boyfriends and being like hey do you still love me yeah like, I, just, I just want to make sure can we talk you know it's just like, I've seen that yeah it's just like the need to talk everything out it's like if me and my husband are quiet in the room for too long I'm like oh no is he what's mad? wrong is he- yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like hey babe what's up what are you He's thinking like, about oh, right now oh, just, just look at this donut shop that we could go to it's like oh Okay, just checking. You know, I'm so bad at quiet, so yeah. that's is. I like to I like to be ironic, and I also like to to like uh, call myself out on things. Yeah. And because I, I don't like to call people out on stuff if I'm not gonna do the work myself. So yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like you through this book, you were also as you were writing it, you're challenging yourself as well and it sounds like and that's really cool I love that you said you have journal prompts at the end of each chapter so people can be self-reflective as well um I'm just a fanatic of journal prompts so that all sounds phenomenal oh thank you so much I'm I'm so excited about this book it's it's really funny because speaking of Morgan well I guess we weren't just speaking of Morgan but kind of were yeah 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 (laughs) I'm great in social situations. Um, but I, uh, I, I actually started, oh, I meant to say, speaking of journals, I actually started this book out as a journal oh. and I shared it with Morgan as accountability. Yeah. Um, and so she read the first chapter and she looked, she read, she read it and she looked at me and she said, this is not a journal. This is chapter one. Oh. Um, and I Come was just through. like, Right. Well, I was personally like, you know, she's my big sister. So I was like, you're dumb. I don't like you. (laughs) But she was right. And I'm really glad that she pushed me to do this and that my family pushed me to do it. And I hope that it encourages other people to kind of take that big step toward finding quiet as well. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I can't wait to read 
For those who are listening, how can they stay connected with you and the work you're doing as well as pick up your book, Finding Quiet? Like where are all the places? Well, thank you so much. Um, If you'd like, you can go to jamiegrace.com to find my book, but you can also buy it on Amazon. I'm supposed to tell you to go to my website, but also I like Amazon, so I get it. Do do you move? Uh, It is signed if you get it from my website, if you care about that kind of thing. Um, By me, I guess I should clarify. So there's that. And then I'm also on social media at jamiegraceh um, and jamiegrace wherever you download music so exciting thank you so much jamie for taking the time to chat and share your story and just be vulnerable and honest and open i feel like um it was just so relatable even for me uh i can't wait for everyone to take a listen and thanks guys for listening until next time